Good evening, everyone. Glad to get the chance to share a message with you tonight. Uh, I thought as I was thinking about what I was going to speak on that I'd, I would choose a subject that would challenge me. Uh, and, you know, I, whenever I get the chance to speak, I, I always feel like it's a chance for me to learn and to dive into something I, I don't get to talk a lot about. And, I mean, my own son doesn't want to hear me talk tonight, so you can see the confidence issues I have. Uh, but when I was thinking about challenging issues, uh, like what would challenge me, and the first thought was easy, like, well, if I talked about, like, how to style your hair correctly was rose to mind, but I thought I will leave that to somebody like John Rhodes to cover. Uh, he, he might have some experience on that. Uh, but my next thought was, you know, stylish, you know, how to, to wear stylish clothing and stuff like that, and as you can see, that would also uh, be something I would fail at. I'll pretty much wear the same thing. Uh, every week. Uh, but one of the, the serious topics that uh, I came across while I was reading in the past few weeks, uh, and it, it talked about the sovereignty of God. And I thought, I've really, to, to my own failure, have never spent a lot of time trying to understand what that meant and what that should mean to me uh, and, and how I can relate to that and how I can help other people to relate to that. Uh, and so I, I challenged myself to sit down and think, all right, I, I'm going to talk about this because God's sovereignty is one of the most you know, important aspects of when we think about something that's integral to our faith, uh, it is his sovereignty. Uh, and we're going to dig into what that means. And, uh, and it's because it's one of those things that is so interesting, but it's also the most perplexing. Uh, and, and it's not whether or not God is sovereign that is uh, you know, so complex. It's when is God's sovereignty in action? Like when, maybe it's, it's more about when is God's direct action involved in something. Uh, and I think we would love to know that in our lives. And maybe uh, even throughout the Bible, I think you see this as a struggle as we're going to look at tonight uh, of people wanting to know uh, how God uh, works. Because as we look at the God in the Bible, uh, God is described as all-powerful, all-knowing, uh, he, that he's outside of time, that he's responsible for creation, uh, for everything, that there's nothing in the universe that occurs uh, that goes on without God's permission. And so it's his, you know, his sovereignty is just a natural consequence of who he is, of being uh, omniscient, of being omnipotent, uh, of being omnipresent. You know, all these things that we think about of God, they're all just these uh, natural uh, consequences of who he is. And uh, you can look on this uh, next slide, and I've got some of those uh, mentioned in, in some verses that you can look at to go back uh, and check out first. But the fact that God is, is sovereign, it essentially means that he has the power. He has the authority, he has the wisdom to do anything. And, and when he chooses, you know, with, within his own power of creation, now, whether or not he actually exerts that uh, level control in any given circumstance uh, is actually a completely different question, if that makes sense. I, I'm not capable, or I don't know of anybody who is capable or has the authority of explaining the when and where's of how God uh and why God does some of the things that he does. I think it's just beyond. I think you see examples of Job's friends when they come and they see all the things that Job has suffered, and they're like, Job, you're really messed up. Like, this is God punishing you for all your sin. And, and God, you know, at the end, he's like, you're wrong. Like, that's totally not how I operate at all. You, you can't even fathom and understand 
how I operate. Uh, and he doesn't answer that question, but you see that even in Jesus' days, they talk about uh, the, the blood of Galileans that are mixed and some sacrifices. They talk about a tower that, that fell, and Jesus is like, those people weren't any worse. You're, you're looking at these terrible things, and you say, that's, that's God in action. And, he's, and, and Jesus and God both dismiss them as like, this is not our direct involvement. And I think evil occurs because evil exists in the heart of man. Evil occurs because... The devil exists, and he wants and he hates, well, I'll say this, he hates the light. He hates the light of God. He hates the light of Jesus. Evil occurs because this world is fallen uh, and is not the heaven of which we hope for. Uh, and God despises this evil, and, and we should despise this evil in its fingerprints that we see and some of the things that we uh, interact with on the news, some of the things that we interact with in our own lives. But when we speak of the sovereignty of God, we mean he, he rules the universe, uh, and I think where we always get stuck in is, is the when and how we see his power being used. And, and like I said, I'm not equipped to talk about that. That's not what we're going to be talking about tonight. In fact, I had so much trouble spelling sovereignty. I had to like spell check it like 10 times when I was doing this PowerPoint. And I still, when I'm looking at it, I'm like, I don't think that's right. Uh, right before I went up here, I checked it again. You'll probably see spelling errors on how I've used it throughout uh, this PowerPoint. But man, so- God's sovereignty, it's just, it's so unfathomable for our human minds to, to grasp around how a divine being acts because we don't have that divine capability. Yet we, we want to know, we want to be able to understand, we want to be able to put, like, jot stuff down and be able to, like, well, God did this and this and this, uh, and, and we want to see all these things that we don't know if God did, but we want to pin them to, to God's actions, and, and we want that. And I'm not saying that, we, that, that God is not acting in those moments, but I think it's, uh, it's hard for us to know. It's impossible for us to know. I think uh, even in the Bible, people wanted to know uh, when God was acting. And, uh, but I think the fact that sin exists at all, it proves that not all things occur, uh, that all things that are occur are in direct responsibility of God who is holy. You know, God who is holy is not going to do cause... He's, God who is holy is not going to do something sinful, something evil. Uh, God sometimes, though, he allows things that to occur uh, with his permission. He may not do it himself directly, but he allows those things to occur. I don't want to dig in any further than that, but I want to dig into this because I think this is helpful for us to know, and it is helpful for us to recognize Uh, And its truth is that God's sovereignty is not only about his position as God. It's not only about the power that we see in his creation and the things that we see him do in the Old Testament and and the the things that we see Jesus do in the New Testament. It's not just about the position. It's not just about the power. But for me to be able to relate to it, to relate to his sovereignty, it was about recognizing God's sovereignty is all about his plan. Uh, that's where I really see God's sovereignty take place, is when we really highlight and look at God's plan, I think you see a clear view of God's sovereignty in action. Uh, You think about God's plan and what that means, that his plan was to crush sin, uh, to crush sin and to crush death, even though it's going to strike the hill. He he shared this announcement uh, with Adam, with Eve, and the serpent present, that that was going to be his plan. He was going to bring about a seed, as, as Andy uh, mentioned this morning when he was talking to Abraham, that was going to be a blessing, not just to one nation, but to all nations. 
His plan was going to be carried out, and we see Abraham getting to be a part of that plan. This, uh, Abraham and his family, they were chosen uh, to be this source of blessing to all people. And we see Abraham's family struggle with this. We see when Sarah hears this message, and then later on she tries to, she tries to put this plan into action in her own way. Uh, pushes her servant onto Abraham to have children through him. And then we have uh, Ishmael come about. And we see uh, countless time again, when uh, these individuals that God has promised and said, you're a part of my plan, and they go and try to make it happen in their own way. Uh, or they sin and they fail, and then eventually we get to this, uh, this nation and this kingdom, and we see them fail repeatedly. Yet I think we can see God's plan through all those failures, through all those mistakes, we can see God's plan uh, overtly and subvertly happening for these people. Happening for this nation, happening in this kingdom. And so God continues to share a little bit more information about his plan. He tells, hey, there's going to be somebody who's going to come from the line of David. He's going to be a king. His kingdom is never going to end. There's going to be a Messiah that's going to come with his people. He's going to be Emmanuel. He's going to be the God who dwells among his people. And then he goes on to further, and he, he describes how, you know, this Messiah is going to come, that people are going to reject him, that he's going to die, but he's going to be this ultimate sacrifice of love for all of mankind, for all nations. And Israel gets to be a part of bringing that seed about. They get to be a part and a bringer of this Messiah. They get to take part in this plan, and, and Israel, despite their best efforts, their own best efforts, God still lets them be a part of this plan. And despite all the best efforts of all the evil around them, and all the evil that tried to happen to Israel, and all the evil that, that kings and kingdoms rose up against them, God's plan was not going to be thwarted. God's sovereignty was going to be clearly seen that, no, his will is going to happen. Uh, uh, somebody from the line of David, somebody from the house of Abraham, somebody, Jesus, was going to come. And he was going to put an end uh, to the sin and death that has plagued uh, since Adam and Eve and since the fail. And I think if there's ever uh, a glimmer of hope for Satan, I think it was the birth of Jesus. I think when you know, there, the birth of Jesus came, I can imagine Satan was like, well, man, this is going to be easy. This is the Son of God, and, and this is in baby form. I surely can take him out. And I think you see... Uh, the will set emotions. You've already, even at Jesus' birth, you have a king who wants to put him to death. So much so he's willing to kill all children that could possibly be identified as this king to death. And then you see this further. You see the religious leaders of Jesus' day. Uh, they want to put him to death multiple times throughout his ministry. They want him to stop. They want him to cease. They want the people that he's been healing, the people that he's been teaching... He wants, they want them to be silenced. They want them to be kicked out of the synagogues. And, and they do that, and they try to do that. Uh, but they don't put Jesus to death at that time. It was not yet his time, it said multiple times, for different things. And so we see this attempt to, to end Jesus. We see it with Judas's betrayal. We see it with Jesus' arrest. We see it uh, when he is put before Pilate, and Pilate wants to earn some favor with the Jews, and he condemns him. And you can imagine Satan at this point, he's just... You know, elated. He sees the Son of God being spit upon, being hit, being beaten, then being nailed to a cross, and then later on being declared dead. And for us to look at that and to, to see this 
all being just so terrible. I mean, just the ultimate uh, evil uh, that we can think of. Satan's greatest work and accomplishment, uh, the death of Jesus. But it was God and Jesus' plan that they were carrying out. Jesus was submitting to this plan that God had set before creation that he was going to be a part of, uh, that he was going to be this sacrifice. And uh, let's look at Acts chapter 4. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn there, because I think it has a great uh, summary, a little bit of what we're talking about, and a great example and charge for us as we think about the sovereignty of God. Acts chapter 4, we see the apostles are gathered together. They had just been before the Sanhedrin, some of them had, and they'd been warned, hey, stop talking about Jesus. We're going to release you, but you're not allowed to talk about him uh, anymore. So but they're gathered together in Acts chapter 4. And let's read what they say. I've got some of the verses on the screen, but I'm going to read uh, maybe a little bit uh, before them. And it says, And when they were released, in verse 23, they went to their friends and they reported what the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The earth and the king, they set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both with Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and by your plan had predestined to take place. When nations and people came to do their absolute worst, namely the murder of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ, they had not slipped out of God's control. They hadn't somehow found a loophole and were able to exercise outside of his ability. They were actually doing his sweetest bidding in their worst moments. The worst act that ever happened in God's plan, I guess when we look at it, the worst act that would ever happen uh, was a part of God's plan. But by that plan, sin was able to be put to death and and the wages of sin was able to be ended by that sacrifice. Terrible and awful things that man do are not capable of thwarting the plans of God. It's not even capable of thwarting God's love for them. I mean, you you think about God's plan and how dedicated you see God's love throughout this plan for his people, even though they fail him, even though they reject his kingship and they want an earthly king. We talked about that this morning in class. Even though you see all these people gathered together against the Son of God, who he knew was going to take place, but yet... His love for us commissioned this plan to take place. The love that Jesus had for his Father and for us allow him to submit himself to that pain, to that agony, all a part of God's plan. Even, Even though we may set ourselves up against God's plan, even though the world sets our set itself against God's plan, his plan can't be stopped. And I think that's where you see God's sovereignty so well, is you see his all-knowing. He, he knew what kind of evil was going to be in the hearts of men in Jesus' day. He knew that they were going to try to stop him, that they were going to be jealous of him, that they would feel threatened by him and want him to put, be put to death. He's, all, you know, he, he's everywhere. He's all-powerful. He's, he's all-knowing. And we see that time and time again when people rise up against his people. We think about a Pharaoh who tried to put to death all the male children. But Moses... Some, we want to say somehow 
was spared in this. The future leader uh, of Israel was somehow spared in all of this. You see God's sovereign plan to work his promise, his plan through his people. And it's never stopped. It's never stopped all the way through the Bible. And in Acts chapter 4, we see a group of apostles who's gathered together. And you've got to remember, right before this, uh, you know, they, they've been with Jesus after his resurrection. And he's, he sat down with some of them, or he's walked with some of them along the way, and it says that he showed them from the Old Testament forward just how everything that was had happened in the last few weeks, the last few years, uh, Jesus' birth forward, all these things were a part of God's plan. They were pondering, they were wondering, like, man, how can this be? We, we really thought Jesus was the Messiah. We really thought he was the one. And Jesus explains to them, I am. Let me show you how God's plan has taken place through me in all of this. And now, after that, they've, they've already faced their first round of persecution. And you can imagine, like, what they're thinking, like, man, you know, Jesus has commissioned us. So we're to go into all the world. That we're to go and we're going to baptize, we're to go and we're supposed to be disciples, we're to make disciples. Like, that's our commission and we're already being told to stop. You know, or the first city. We haven't even left the city yet and we're already being told to stop. What are we going to do? And it's amazing to me when you think about the position that they're in. We think about God's plan, that Jesus is going to crush sin and death, that we would get to dwell in his presence in heaven forever that we were now charged and the apostles were now charged to share this good news with everyone and they're already being told to stop i love what they go into i love that in their prayer in acts 4 29 uh if you keep reading those verses it says and now uh, lord look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness One of the first things they do in that prayer, if you go back to the beginning of those verses we read in Acts 4, is they recognize. I don't know if it's because they've they've just now witnessed Jesus explaining this plan to them and how he's carried it all the way out, and now they're going to be part of this plan, and now they're going to carry it out. But they start the the prayer off with saying, Sovereign Lord. It's like the plan that was made clear to them. Now they were able to see God's sovereignty so full and so clear. Uh, if we go ahead to the next uh, couple slides uh, forward, and as we think about uh, now the challenge for us, you know, this was for the apostles. Now they're in this moment, and they're asking for, for boldness. And what does that, Evan, what does God's sovereignty mean for me? Well, hopefully you've, maybe you've gained a perspective of God's sovereignty and seeing this amazing plan take place and everything God did to make it happen uh, you see his power and just are amazed by that. You see his love and are just crushed by it because you haven't loved him in the same way. Uh, but when these apostles uh, are told this is their commission to go and do this, I think for us, the challenge then is for any time we are going to be asked, hey, what are you doing? Like, wh- what are you doing right now? What are you doing in life right now? Hopefully it's going to be the same answer as the apostles that we're going to give. Hopefully it's going to be the same answer that Jesus gave in his ministry. I'm here to accomplish God's plan. I'm here to do God's will. I'm here to do and carry out and be a part of our sovereign God's plan 
to spread the news of the gospel to all nations everywhere. To my neighbors, to the people across the street, down the street, the people in Putnam County. And so now we have this new, uh, we've got a new mission and vision. And really it's just, hey, we're going to have an intentional focus now. We know that's our mission that God has uh, commissioned us. We know that Jesus has told us to go into all the world. But now we're going to make purposeful efforts here at Jefferson Avenue to go and make disciples. We're going to make purposeful efforts now to go and show the love of God, to show how amazing it is, to show them through scriptures God's amazing plan of love and just how wonderful it is. And, and even God uses imperfect people, if you looked at the genealogy of Jesus, to bring about this Messiah. He uses imperfect people, a part of his plan all the time. In fact, his plan is for imperfect people. It's for us. To show them that God's plan is all about them. Man, that's just an amazing, an amazing opportunity, an amazing blessing. Uh, but I know, just like what the apostles feel like, you know, to go out there, to put themselves in a position that's vulnerable, to put them in positions that they've already been told not to do, like not to speak Jesus. I think in the same way, you know, we're, when we recognize God's sovereignty, we have to ask for that same boldness. God, help us to be bold. Help us to be bold in carrying out your plan. Help us to be part of this plan to, to spread this good news everywhere. And I love, uh, I love the heart uh, of, of Kerry Simpson, and it's a heart that we all should have coming forward this morning and saying, you know, I, I need to do more, make more of an effort, an intentional effort in, in sharing uh, the gospel of Jesus with people in my life. We've got to pray for boldness. We've got to recognize it's going to take this courage and this boldness to be part of God's plan the way that he needs us to be, the way that this world needs us to be. And you may think, okay, Evan, you know, I, I, get, I get that part. You know, God's got a plan. I don't know, if you're asking me, I just, I'll, I'll step aside and just think, why in the world would God want us to be a part of his plan? Like, of all the things, you know, have you ever tried to fix something and, or you're about to work on something and you're going to use a tool that you know a lot of times is just finicky and doesn't work. Like, hey, I'm about to take a road trip. I'm going to use my vehicle. Now, it works most of the time. Some of the time it works. Uh, I, and I'm going to trust in that vehicle to go all the way across the country to deliver me safely to my destination. And I feel like God, like, that's, I don't know if that's how I would vision God sees us. Like, yep, I'm going to use that unreliable person to take part in my plan, to take my important message, this treasure, this, this treasure of heaven, this kingdom of God, I'm going to trust in them to take my message where it needs to go, even though they're not reliable. He's asking us for, to have boldness, and if you think, what else does that look like, and what else does it need besides boldness, I think any time you're facing a situation where You've got to love your enemy. You're resting in the sovereignty of God. Anytime that you speak lovingly and softly in the face of hatred, of unjust anger, uh, uh, of people just berating you, maybe for the gospel, maybe for something else, you're choosing to trust in the sovereignty of God. And by that I mean you're putting His plan at the forefront of how you live so that everybody can see His wondrous love through you through what you're doing. So when they see you don't respond evil with evil, when they see you give love instead of evil, they'll wonder. 
about what, what are they about? They'll ask, what is that person, why is that person different in how the rest of the world responds to me? Why do they love not just people who are easy to love, those who are difficult in their life to love? It's going to be a testimony that we're living a part of God's plan and not our own plan. That we've submitted to God's plan to live this way because it's what attracts people and points people to Him. That's what it gets to be a part be you know, that's the blessing to be a part of God's plan is, is you get to be a part of something that has... That was, a, that was planned before our even own, like, mankind's creation. I just, it's even fathomable as I'm thinking about it right now that God's plan even before the beginning of time was for us to be a vessel of his love to all nations. That we're going to get to carry the name of his son to everyone. It's going to take boldness. It's going to take people willing to, to submit to being part of God's plan uh, and to make it more important than their own plan in life. Uh, I don't know if you are a planner. Uh, maybe some of you have like a life plan, and by age 35, you're going to be at this point. By age 40, you're going to be here. Age 55, you're going to be retired. I'm sure everybody has plan. I'm sure, you know, we talked about hair earlier. I'm sure uh, John Rhodes was looking forward to having a head full of white hair to comb that was going to be beautiful. Uh, and yet, Lisa's sitting three feet away from him, ashamed of his bald head tonight. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know what you've got planned in your life. But I know this. God has a plan for you. And it's a plan that he wants you to benefit from, but it's also a plan he wants you to partake in, that you can be a, a vessel for. And, and I can't explain the complexity of God's sovereignty to you. I, I can't. I mean, I, I'm just amazed that... I'm just amazed at his sovereignty and amazed about seeing his plan all the way through the Bible take place. But I can tell you how God exercises his love for us through Jesus. I can tell you about that. I can tell you that he exercises his love for you in so many different ways, not just through Jesus, but the daily blessings that you experience, the daily opportunities you have for forgiveness, for mercy, for grace, the opportunity that we all get the chance to, to benefit from that plan, to be partakers of that plan, how his love offers you a chance to dwell in his presence for all eternity. That's his plan. He wants you to be a part of it. He wants you to accept it, for your sins to be forgiven, for you to be a new creation, for you to become a part of a plan that no man can alter, that no man can shut down, that no man can change the course of. God has a plan, and it's all for you. Uh, if you haven't taken an opportunity tonight to submit to that plan, I want to encourage you to. Uh, it's not like submitting to somebody else's plan at work. It's not like submitting to your spouse's plan at home. It's not even like submitting to your own plan. This plan is all for your blessings for all eternity. And it's all out of love. And yes, there's submission parts to it, but when you look at what you gain versus what you lose, it's, it's, nothing, worth, it's nothing worth losing. Uh, it's everything worth gaining to be a part of God's plan. I want to offer you to be a part of that tonight. If you have a need tonight, if you need forgiveness, hey, God's plan was for his church to be a body of people to show you love and comfort when you needed it, to give you encouragement and forgiveness, to give you strength, to give you support. Uh, he didn't just 